Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. This morning, we're wrapping up a series, we began at the first of the year, about life in high definition and redefining our lives with greater clarity and greater perspective. And uh, we're going to wrap it up with a topic that uh, is an uncomfortable one. <clears throat> it's called servanthood. Something we've actually talked about through th- throughout this whole series. Um, we've talked about it as a part of your calling, that you were called to, to become, a call to belong, and a call to serve. Um, that it influences all of your hopes and your dreams. It affects your relationships. It affects your finances. This whole idea of servanthood, and yet it is probably one of the most uncomfortable things to deal with in our own lives because we are not by nature servants and yet servanthood is at the at the heart of what Jesus was all about it was the heart of his mission and believe it or not he says life in high definition a clearly defined life is really found in a life of service in the last night that Jesus spent with his followers it's recorded in John chapter 13 says, it was just before the Passover, Passover festival, and Jesus knew that his hour had come for him to leave the world and go to, a fa- go to his Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And at the evening meal, as it was in progress, the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up, from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped the towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter said, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not all of them were clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, You will be blessed if you do them. I don't know if you've ever had any questions about that story. It's kind of one of those odd things. And I've, I've, you know, it's kind of, how does that fit in the whole grand scheme of things? And yet, when you think about it, it's the culmination of Jesus' ministry. It's at the very, very end of his service on this earth. It's at the very, very end of his time together with disciples. It's the very last meal that they're sharing together before the cross. And he does this odd kind of thing. And he says, the reason I did it is that I've set an example for you so that you should do as I have done for you. In other words, what he wants 
from each and every one of us is that same attitude, those same acts of service. Now, serving definitely is about doing. It's about action. It's about activity. But on a deeper level, he says, understand the heart of it. Understand the heart of a servant. He said, I've given you an example. He didn't just tell us about it. He said, I've given you an example. So what does the heart of a servant look like? If we're to define ourselves, redefine ourselves in terms of servanthood, what are the characteristics of that? Well, there's a couple of them here, I think, that come out. One of them is that servants set their full identity in Christ. They see who they are completely in Christ. Jesus does this action, and it's kind of, it's a very menial task. In fact, for those of you who don't know the historical background and all this, in, in Jesus' day, you know, they, mostly they wore sandals and robes, and they didn't have paved roads and concrete paths. They walked on dirt paths all the time. And so whenever someone would go to someone's house for a meal, it was traditional that, that there would be a place for them to wash their feet. And typically, typically it would be the owner of the home's job to provide a servant to do that. And, and if you were a servant in that home, that was like the bottom of the rung, okay? That was like bottom, the worst servant, the, the lowest servant got that job. And, and um, if he didn't have any service, he would at least provide a basin and a towel so people could kind of self-service, you know, wash your own feet. But they're meeting together in a room that they've hired for the night. None of them own this. Nobody's really the host of this. So they get there and they all kind of just sit down and nobody really provides for the washing of the feet. So Jesus gets up and do it. Does it. And he does it because he knows he doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. I don't know if you caught that in verse 3. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. He knew his identity. He didn't have to prove anything to anybody. He knew who he was. He knew what his purpose on this earth was. He knew his final destination. He knew everything that was about to happen. He didn't have to worry about anybody else's opinion of him. Paul had that very same attitude. He wrote to the Corinthian church, so, I look, so look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. In fact, he says, I don't even trust my own judgment. I think one of the greatest barriers is our own self-image, our image consciousness. Probably the one thing that keeps us from truly becoming servants is we're wondering, okay, so what are they going to think of me if I serve them? And we're so worried about how we look in front of other people. I remember, I've told the story before, um, years ago when our kids played soccer, and, and I served a couple of terms on the, on the youth soccer board. And I was actually vice president. I was vice president of the youth soccer league. And in our, in our discussions on our board meetings, we are having a trouble with lining the fields. Okay? It's always kind of an ongoing problem, getting somebody who will reliably line the fields every Friday so they'll be ready for the games on Saturday. And the people that we were going to do it, they've kind of flaked on us. We were going to hire some other people. And we just thought, okay, why don't we just do it ourselves, you know? So we each took a turn. Each of the board members took a turn lining fields. And so it was my turn, and I went out and I'm lining fields. And um, there's teams that are having their practices out there as we're lining the fields. And I've got the little chalker, the little um, uh, spray paint, uh, line paint or whatever the, the little contraption was. So I'm out there and I'm lining fields, and I'm doing a good job, nice and straight and everything. And... And one of the coaches is there with his team. He goes, hey, hey you, hey you, can, can you wrap this up here? I'm trying to have a practice here. Could you wrap up this line, you know, line these fields and get out of my way? And everything inside of me wanted to say, do you know who I am? I'm the vice president of the league, you know. Who are you to talk? 
everything inside of me wanted to yell that. But I knew it wouldn't look good in front of everybody else, so I kind of kept it to myself. But there's this thing inside each and every one of us that says, Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? How dare you talk to me like that? Just because I'm lining fields doesn't mean I'm your slave. Jesus said, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Instead of trying to find our place on the pecking order, choosing purposely the lowest position. Now, I know most of us in this room, you know, we don't necessarily want to be at the top of the pecking order. We just don't want to be on the bottom. You know, somewhere in the upper 25% is good enough for us. Jesus says, no, take the lowest part. When you remember God's grace, and you know that what God says about you is all that really matters, there is a tremendous freedom and liberty to be able to do something regardless of what anybody else would think about it. Jesus knew who he was. He didn't have to prove himself. Paul carries that same attitude. He says, you know, I don't even trust my own judgment about myself because I know I can puff myself up in my own eyes. Understanding that in God's grace, you are whole, you are complete, you are accepted, you are loved, and you don't have to prove anything to anybody. And also remember that you are only a trophy of His grace. It keeps everything in perspective. It provides security, and it also reminds us of humility, that our worth and our identity are fully in Him. It's interesting that when Jesus finished the whole thing up and He sits back down, He says, Now, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that your Lord and teacher, I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. In other words, you're right in your estimation about me. But my serving you in this way doesn't diminish my teaching. It doesn't diminish my authority. It doesn't diminish anything. In fact, it enhances it. And that's what happens when you develop a servant's attitude. Identifying yourself fully in Christ. Second thing about servants is they don't call attention to their actions. You read the story and it's actually a very, very simple act. Very deliberate, very carefully told. He simply got up from the meal, we're told, took off the outer clothing, wrapped the towel around his waist, and after that poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. It was no big deal. It was really no big deal. He didn't make any announcements. He didn't get up from the table and say, okay, guys, now watch and learn. Okay? He didn't pout about it. He wasn't huffy about it. He didn't do it with a sense of exasperation. He just simply got up and did it. Now, I'd like to, you to put yourself in that position. How would you have done that task? We're all sitting around the table. Okay? Now, and remember, by the way, don't think of Leonardo da Vinci's, you know, everybody on the one side of the table sitting in chairs kind of a thing. Okay? They're laying around a very low table. And they're kind of reclining on pillows. And they're kind of like, you know, head to feet kind of arrangement around. So, you know, dirty feet are an important thing as you're sitting there eating with your hands next to somebody's feet, okay? And he just simply gets up and does it. How would you have done that? Put yourself in that position. I know how I would have done it. I probably would have sat there and stewed for a little while, looking around and said, okay, who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? All right. Okay, nobody's going to do it. All right, fine, I'll be the one to do it. You know, and I roll my eyes and I kind of let out a, huh, you know, and, and go over and pour the water and kind of splash it around a little bit, you know. 
That's how I would do it. I know that. That's how you would do it. I know that. <laughs> but he doesn't. He just does a very simple act. And in fact, when he's done, he completes it very finished, very simply. After he'd finished washing their feet, he put his clothes on, returned to his place. He just did it. It wasn't a big deal. He just simply did it. Attitude, when it comes to servanthood, is just as, if not more important than actions. In his book, Full Service, Siang Yang Tan writes this, We begin by choosing to humble ourselves before God and others and depend on His Holy Spirit's help and power to transform us into humble servants. His deep work of grace in us is more foundational and important than what we will eventually do through us. Character always comes before competence. Who we are as servants of Jesus, our being is more crucial than what we do in our service for Him and others, our doing. The key issue is becoming and being a truly humble person, practicing and growing in humility deep in our hearts. That's what really matters. It's the attitude. And it's a, it's a decision that we make that no task is too menial. No job is too small. Nothing is too unimportant as for me to do it. Do you know that when we get to gather together every weekend, there is someone in the, somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 70 volunteers that it takes to run the full program here, just on the weekends. That doesn't count what goes on during the week. Most of those people work behind the scenes with no applause, with no, no knowledge, no, no appreciation necessarily sent their way. There is a woman in our church. Since we have moved into our new facilities and we're trying to budget carefully and everything, there is a woman in our church that comes in every Saturday and washes the bathrooms. I won't tell you who it is because she would be embarrassed if I told you. But she comes and washes the bathrooms. That's about as close to foot washing as you get in our day and age. Now, we, we would love to share that ministry with other people, I'm sure. But, but she does it, not because she gets attention for it, not because she gets approval for it. She's just simply serving the Lord in this way. The heart of a servant learns to do things not for the attention it gets, but simply doing it because it needs doing. Richard Foster talks about this idea as the discipline of secrecy. He says, just pick one activity, one act that you could do on a regular basis and make sure nobody finds out about it. Could you do that? And I ask myself, could I do that? Well, eventually I would, sure, I would let it leak out that I did that thing, you know? He says, practice secrecy. It is training our hearts towards humility. It is training our hearts towards God's kingdom. So here's what you might do. The next time you go out and mow your lawn, maybe mow your neighbor's lawn for him or her. Or while you're out pulling weeds, maybe pull the weeds in your neighbor's garden as well. Something you might be able to do. In our neighborhood, we're at the end of a cul-de-sac, and we are at the, the windward end of the cul-de-sac. You know, everything gathers, all the garbage. Monday, garbage day, when the dumpster, you know, and the guy, he picks up the can. Well, he doesn't pick it up, the, the the truck picks it up, dumps it in, stuff spills over. He doesn't even get out of the car to pick up what gets spilled on the floor. And on a windy day, it all ends up in my driveway. If I could just do that with a servant's heart. 
pick up the spilled garbage around your neighbor's can. I mean, if you open your eyes to it, if you just think about it, you could probably think of a good ten things that you could do and do secretly. It's simply training our hearts towards humility. Third, servants can both give and receive graciously. See, another roadblock to servanthood is our own sense of self-sufficiency. Sometimes it's harder to be on the receiving end. Peter goes through this. He gets to Peter. We don't know where Peter is in the circle as, they're, they're doing the, as he's washing the feet. But he comes to Peter and Peter says to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? In fact, he goes on and says, you shall never wash my feet. Never. I'm too proud for that. I can wash my own feet, thank you very much. Maybe he's embarrassed. Maybe he's uncomfortable because Jesus is doing this. Maybe he's ashamed because he wasn't the one that did it. But he says, no, Lord, no, no, no. You're never going to wash my feet. And Jesus says, you don't realize what I'm doing. But later you'll understand. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. See, another form of our image consciousness is, how's it going to look if somebody serves me? Sometimes it's tougher to be on the receiving end. Jesus says, you don't understand it now, but you will. And I think what he was trying to get to him is, Peter, you've got to understand, in my kingdom, it's all about serving. It's all about serving. If you can't get in on this, you don't understand. You don't really have a part with me. Because my whole kingdom is about serving. That Jesus is defining a new community. He is bringing God's kingdom to this earth. And that new community looks like this. Servanthood. Caring for and reaching out to. Serving can very easily become an act of pride. And that's why sometimes we have to learn to receive. A number of years ago now, three, three years ago, a little over three years ago, I, I came to a point where I was just, I was absolutely dry. I was wasted. I was burnt out. I was tired and exhausted and, and, and took a six-week six sabbatical. And, and it was really, really hard. First of all, it was really hard to not do anything, believe it or not. But then when people would call up, and, and I was just surrounded by people, people would call up and say, is there anything I can do for you? You know, let me take you out to lunch. Let me, you know, I had, I had a... I had a friend who wanted to take me skeet shooting. I never shot a, a, a shotgun in my life. He says, oh, you'll love this. This will get it out of your system. So I got taken sh you know, skeet shooting with a shotgun. First time I ever fired a shotgun in my whole life. I had a friend come call me. He says, you know, he's, a, he's a pilot. He's got his pilot's license. He says, let me take you for a flight. Let's fly up to Tahoe for lunch. You know, I had, people take me. I had people, I had people just come and have conversation with me. And it's really, really hard when it's your job to be the caretaker. When it's your job to, to take care of other people's needs. When it's your job to listen. And when it's your job to have other people do that for you. And it was really awkward. It was very difficult for me. It was a lesson I had to learn in humility. Because true servants can both give and receive. And do it with grace. So Peter says, okay, Lord, well, if that's what it is, then wash all of me. You know, it's still about Peter. So wash all of me. Jesus said, no. A person who's had a bath only needs to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. In other words, it's just simply taking what needs, no more, no less. It's doing what needs to be done. 
no more, no less. It's a servant's heart and a servant's attitude. And lastly, servants ultimately concern themselves with their master's work. Jesus ended this whole thing by saying, I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. See, the whole reason I think he did this was he was preparing them for the task ahead. His whole kingdom is about serving, so you've got to learn how to serve. They were going to be his servants, his messengers, and so are you and I. And I think the message that he wants us to bring is the message of Matthew 20, 28. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for ransom, of ransom for many. And I think the message has to be demonstrated in the methods. For far too long, it has all been about words. And far too often in Christian circles, in evangelical circles, in people who call Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior, it's just words to people. We tell people about the love of God, but we don't show it enough. We tell them about His grace and acceptance and mercy, but we don't show it very often. We talk about how He gave His life as a ransom for many, but we don't give our lives for anything. And I think ultimately what Jesus is saying, it's not just words, folks. It's your life. You can't talk to people about love if you're not willing to love them. You can't talk about servanthood without serving. It is all together. Jesus spoke about being the bread of life, but He also fed thousands of people. He talked about God's love and he touched lepers that were untouchable to everybody else. And he talked with people who nobody else would give the time of day to. And he healed the sick. And he listened to the hurting. He lived his message. And that's why he had tremendous credibility. That's why the people around him said, There's no other teacher that teaches like this guy. He teaches with authority. What was his authority? That he lived the message that he preached. And we can do no less. Good news must be accompanied by good works. Not by a means of our earning our place with God. But as a demonstration of what His kingdom is all about. And developing servant hearts is absolutely essential to all of it. Because our words of love have to be coupled with acts of compassion. If they aren't, they're just words. Paul said, to the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel. And he wasn't saying I become a chameleon, I become wishy-washy, I just do, go with the flow. He's saying, no, my comfort doesn't matter. My importance doesn't matter. My status doesn't matter. If it means being weak, with those who are weak, I will be weak. I don't have to show off. He said, I am willing to do whatever it takes for the sake of reaching some. And that's a servant's attitude. Developing a servant's heart. Not pretending, not faking it. Simply genuinely learning to be as Jesus was to people. So often we talk about servanthood and we think in terms of its drudgery, compulsion, oppression, when nothing could be further from the truth. A life in high definition is a life of servanthood. It is fulfilling, it is empowering, 
It is life-giving. And Jesus said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus said, I gave you an example. Not so that you could discuss it among yourselves. Not that you could hear someone preach about it, talk about it. I've given you an example so that you would do it. In a world and a culture that is absolutely consumed with looking out for number one, he urges us to swim against the tide. Swim against the current to serve. To serve his church, to serve the hurting and the needy, to serve his world. And in doing so, he says, you're serving me, my kingdom. So what one thing could you do this week to serve in your home, your family? What could you do this week, one thing, to serve in your neighborhood? or on your job. It might be something as simple as a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Find something you could do that no one else would ever find out about that you could do in secrecy. Just as a matter of training your own heart towards humility and servanthood. Jesus said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed. hearts are not naturally towards servanthood our hearts are naturally towards self-interest and looking out for number one getting my share of the pie but you've called us to something much greater and something much more truly fulfilling and in these moments as we close open our eyes to see opportunities around us. Remind us when we get up tomorrow morning that we're your servants. We're serving your kingdom. May our words be matched by our actions for your kingdom's sake. Teach us, Lord, what this looks like in our homes, on our jobs, in our neighborhood, in our community so that those around us would look and say, there's something different there. There's something different there. And by that transformation, Lord, might, might your kingdom grow because of it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship, located in Benicia, California. 